Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the Mind and Body Alignment Podcast, your place for self-discovery and healing so you can activate your soul's purpose and step into the most authentic, aligned, and best version of yourself so you can create the life that you were called for. We understand here that becoming that best version of ourselves requires a synergy of mind, body, and soul healing. If you're new here, I'm Christy Roberts. I'm a women's coach. I specialize in mindset coaching, life coaching, and spiritual growth. And I'm also the owner of Aligns Living Co. and creator of Authentically Aligned Accelerator, a women's life coaching program. So let's jump right into the podcast. I'm so thankful to have you here. And if this brings you value, be sure to share it with someone who you know would benefit from this and give us five stars in the podcast app. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. I'm so excited about this episode today with my good friend, Aylin. Oh, she has transitioned so much through the time that we've known each other, which has been about a couple years now. And we met online. We're both into fitness and witnessing her growth from fitness and posting her workouts and her progress to anxiety coaching and mindset coaching into the Hype Girl Cat podcast. She has gone through so many phases of her life life and so many deaths and rebirths where she even lovingly released her own coaching business and allowed surrender to the unknown her work phoenix codes which you can download on amazon is such a beautiful experience through and walk through the transformation process that we experience with every single death and rebirth we experience within our own lives. I'm so honored to have her here on this podcast today. She is a female embodiment mentor and coach and somatic healer so you can regulate your nervous system and become that next level version of yourself know for a fact you guys are going to gain so much value out of this and I know that I did from giving my own self permission to take a sacred pause like she did so I could realign myself regulate my nervous system and come into the new phase of life I know you're going to gain value so I can't wait to hear your thoughts and without further ado let's get into it Aylin, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. I'm just honored that you made the time to be here to share your story and just let us into your world and your transformation and mm. guide us through it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Christy. I love seeing your beautiful radiant face on zoom and actually like connecting. If you, if y'all don't know, we've known each other for years in the online space, but it's been one of those, like we see each other, we support each other. And there was never really like any zoom conversations or anything like that, but we were always in each other's corners. So like being able to see her in this space, like where we're at now, like it's such a treat for me. So thank you for having me. Yeah. On. And it's, we've been going back and forth in voice messaging for yeah. like the last several months. And it's funny because we've always supported each other, but it's just through our own transformations and our own 
evolutions, like we're starting to merge into appreciating one another even more on a deeper level. And I'm just so grateful for that. Oh my goodness. I'm so grateful for you. (laughs) Thank you. So I guess if you, you know, you want me to just kind of dive into like the transformation from the beginning. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about your, so you just came out with this amazing guide. It was so beautifully written. I want you to just lead us through what your journey has been like over the last, well, it's been several years, but leaving behind a lot and rising like a Phoenix into this new version of yourself. So you can start wherever you'd like. Oh man. Um, Thank you for that. I love that introduction. (laughs) Um, I guess getting started would have to be taking it back about seven years. And I moved through extreme anxiety and panic disorder. And that pretty much was my first death and rebirth moment. And not even understanding what that was at the time, though, I, I think I called it different things. I saw it differently. Um, it's only until recently that I realized like, whoa, like the potency of like those Phoenix moments. And that's, that's what I was moving through. But I moved through such a really jarring time because panic disorder completely wrecked my life for a while and there's no sugarcoating it. It, it was almost two years. I think I was having panic attacks and they would come on multiple times a week. I never knew when I was going to have one. And it was a really big wake up call. It was kind of like the first awakening into my mind, my body and my spirit. And it's like, what's going on here, you know, and why is this happening to me? And it was really hard. It was hard because everything in my life had to change. You know, I had to really face up to who I was being and the way I was treating myself and my body and in drinking and the way I was eating and coping with. Yeah. How did your lifestyle look at the time? Oh my goodness. It was kind of chaotic and it, it was, it was a beautiful chaotic time because we were closing on a home and we had closed, like we were done. The, 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 the hard part was over. And I think a lot of it though, was leading up to that, how stressful that was. I was in a really hostile environment uh, at my job in a certain department and it was so demanding and it took a lot out of me. And then I was coping with drinking a lot on the weekends the way I was eating, treating my body. And I never, ever, ever had the best worth and self-esteem. All of that was rooted in a place that came from like lack and self-abandonment and just really small self-talk all the time. I did not have a good relationship with my confidence, my trust. You know, I was, I feel like I was very much on autopilot and very unawakened at the time. So how did you move through that period seven years ago to the next phase? Mm, That took a while, (laughs) but moving through it was for me, a lot of it was focusing so much on my health and really, really getting into self-discipline from a real big place from love you know, and really recognizing all the ways that were not serving me. And my first personal trainer, Justina was my lifesaver because she was kind of like the crutch and the, the person I was leaning on for support, not just with my health, but 
also with everything else, because she had experienced anxiety and panic attacks as well. And I didn't know that when I first met her, but as we talked, it was like, wow, like I'm not alone, but really focusing my energy on improving and healing myself was one of the ways in which I moved through it. I think with more grace and compassion than, than I would have, if I was just trying to like bullhead, like, you know, like I gotta stop having panic attacks. It was more a loving place. And looking back, I kind of want to like jump ahead because this is a big, important question that I think a lot of people struggle with. And it's a huge part of your story. Um, just because you led other women through their own panic disorders, their own anxiety attacks, what would you say anxiety is to its roots? Man, there's so, there's so many things, but to its root, I would say a feeling unsafe. It's a feeling where we don't feel safe in our body. We don't feel safe within ourselves and that creates a lot of dis-ease. It's a a kind of a bittersweet thing though, because when we experience it, it is trying to tell us something, you know, but I definitely believe it is, it's, uh, it's, it's feeling unsafe and it's dis-ease in the body. Yeah. And it's also kind of like another form of the self-abandonment that you mentioned. Yeah just that disconnection from the body operating on autopilots going through the motions. And then we're, we're being given a signal again and again to look at something and it's difficult to, when you're not awakened. Um, so how did you transition into a place where you started coaching other women? Oh man. That came, I feel like years later, um, I, I ended up starting a podcast because I got into the personal development space and the personal improvement and just growth space through my, through my trainer, you know, she was always like recommending me podcasts and all of that. And so I got into that space and I was like, oh, I have something to say. I moved through like a really difficult time and I really want to start using my voice. I felt very empowered to start using my voice. So I started a podcast. I did that for a few years. And then I always got asked, are you going to coach? Are you going to coach? And my thing was like, I did not want to coach because not only did I not feel confident in myself, but also like sales was so icky to me back then. Cause that's, that's a whole other story, but we were in such a paradigm where it was so heavy masculine. It was just like sales, sales, sales. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do yeah. that. <laughs> Money, you got to make six figures. Oh my, out. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. And I, and I was afraid of that, like that, that didn't make me feel safe. So I pushed it off for a while. And then I went to, actually, I went to Angie Lee's pays to be brave. And I saw so many women that just reflections of me. Right. And all these women like taking the initiative to start doing something, even if it wasn't coaching, it might be speaking or whatever it may be, or facilitating breath work. And I was like, yeah, I think I could step it up a notch. I'm kind of in my comfort zone. So, you know, I do have something to give back. And I had had women asking me, are you going to provide coaching? So I moved through that and I ended up coaching. Like I ended up in the industry where I, I, the past few years, I was like putting it off so much, but that's the thing though, is 
there was always this inkling of, I wanted more and I wanted to do more. And I wanted to provide more of a service besides just podcasting. And I knew that (laughs) I knew it like deep in my soul, but of course my ego is just like, we're not ready. That doesn't really sound like it's something for us. And how are we going to help women? So I, I moved through it over the years, but then it was like going to an event and seeing all those beautiful women, like just rising. I was like, hell yeah. Like I can rise too. Yes. Yeah. And you were so big in the podcast. I remember hype girl cats, you were just the ultimate supporter for women. So of course people wanted to work with you, but there is like that underlying sense of like maybe the self-worth, but also possible just resistance towards that step in general, because maybe there was an underlying factor of it not being in true alignment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That that's definitely would lead us into like the next, the next phase, but absolutely. I think there was some resistance because I knew I wanted to be in that space at one point, especially getting back from that event, but I didn't know exactly what. And I do feel I didn't give myself enough time to like really integrate and digest and, and patience So I kind of did leap into coaching without thinking I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a marketing strategy. I had, I had absolutely nothing. I just put some stuff together and, and leapt into it. So there was definitely some resistance I feel for my intuition, maybe not so much because we weren't ready, but that particular niche was not like, that wasn't where I was supposed to be at. (laughs) So what was the evolution like going from, the podcast into the coaching space? And when did you reach a point where you just felt like you could no longer go on? Mm. Moving through that was interesting because I felt like I had grown up in that old paradigm that we're, 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 we're building into the new, right? We're the architects of this new paradigm. And, and I felt like I grew up in that old paradigm space. So I was following all the rules set by all the leaders in the industry. And, you know, it was very chaotic, like even moving through anxiety and panic disorder, I was already creating for myself, like really bad habits and, and things that I were, that were not serving me. Right. They were just distractions and doing all these little things that I thought I needed to do. And I played into that old paradigm. So moving through that into coaching, like see, and just even imagining myself, like as I was doing all the the things you're supposed to do, you know, when you're building your business and creating the offer and it was very chaotic and it was rooted from a lot of external, you know, it wasn't internal. It wasn't intuition. It was like, what are other people telling me to do? And I can see even just saying this right now, I set myself up for what happened because I didn't listen to my intuition. It's so funny how it's always the intuition saying it's either going to be now or later. Yeah. <laughs> we can do this now the smooth way, or we can do this the hard way later. Either way, we're going to get you to where you need to be, but you might have to go through a few lessons, but the chaos itself is the main theme that I find coming up with not only my clients, but just people trying to transition from this old paradigm in general, because there's so much of this external world that we play into, we feed into, we mold ourselves around. So there's no like guidebook on how to 
have sovereignty and be free. Yes. Be your own person and be like your own expression of self. So yeah, guide me through like transitioning out of the chaos, I guess. (laughs) I, I was coaching for a while and the ironic part and I feel like this was spirit testing me is once, once I really pulled the plug and came to terms with this, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm going to have to just take a big step back. It started to pick up. I had people even after I pulled the plug and was like, Hey, I'm going to carry out my clients with like the utmost integrity and respect. Like it had absolutely nothing to do with them, but I'm going to carry them out through the year and I'm not going to take on any more, but I had people messaging me. I had emails like flooding in like, Hey, you know, are you still doing this? And I felt like that was a pool too. like the universe was testing me. Are you going to just give in because you have people asking, or are you going to stay in your truth and stand rooted in what is feeling really good for you right now? And even though I didn't feel the best, but it's like, it was, it was going to feel really good in the end, but I, I realized I couldn't move on with it anymore. I realized that even though anxiety and panic disorder are part of my story, it doesn't mean it was something that I, I wanted to help move people through. I, I think I thought I had to coach people through that in order to give back more when in reality, just me on the podcast, sharing my truth, the posts interacting with women, you know, that was helping them move through it. And I was like, what the heck am I going to do though? Like, that's it. I released this coaching business and it was part of my identity. So that hype girl identity, it was rooted in identity. So I didn't feel guilt. I felt shame. And that shame is so much deeper. It's, you know, I've heard before that guilt is I did bad shame as I am bad. Yep. Oh my gosh. I did a whole podcast on that. It's so, so it, we, it becomes so integral to our identity that it makes it impossible to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling it it is. And it's, it's different than guilt. Guilt's. It is, it is such a different feeling shame. It just made me want to cower, not come out. And I really did for a while. Like when I released everything, even though it was liberating to go on, go live, go on my IG, I even created a whole new Instagram account. Like spirit was just telling me like, start new, new beginnings, you know, and it felt really good to do that. But at the same time, it was so painful because of the shame. So your, your higher self and, and who you were before are literally at odds. There's so much resistance because your old self is, is like fighting against that and doesn't understand. And then your higher self is just like, you know, no, we got to like, we're going like we're moving, we're rising. And it, they don't, they don't meet and intersect in the same timeline, you know? So there is resistance, but moving through that was really difficult because I created something new and I had to just pause And I think we don't give enough credit to a sacred pause. I spent the past nine to 10 months invested fully in myself. It doesn't mean that I wasn't investing in mentors. I was, I was, I was like, I need to investigate and dig deeper because I knew there was a disconnect too with what I was doing. And I could dig a little bit deeper into my own, in my own healing. So I invested pretty heavily this year, just into my healing and that sacred pause. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because I'm a Gemini. So like my ideas are always flooding in. I'm like, I'm, I love creating. So having to really root myself in patience and that void 
and just sit there with it for as long as it took before I was feeling called to move again was really difficult because the world is fast paced and everybody's always telling you, go after the next shiny object. What are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And if anything, that really pushed me away from doing anything next, because I'm like, that's an issue. That's a problem we have with society. The next shiny object, like, what are you going to do next? It's like, I'll figure it out. Like, don't worry about me. You know? I think that we like, we tie so much of our own identity like again what you mentioned to our productivity and what we produce for others and part of our mission here is to serve and that's just such a huge part of who we are but it's not what we are necessarily and just being able to detach from that being who you are is so so powerful So with the shame, how did you move through that into truly embodying the healing process and truly surrendering to it too? Because there's such an element of surrender that comes as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I think one of the best things I did too was immediately after I released it and I made these new accounts and everything, instead of really truly leaning on someone, like almost immediately, I took me a few months to actually start like seeking out and like people within resonance with me with guides. But I took the time to just go inward and simply be with everything. And, and I know it's like a, like everybody beats it over the head, like a, you know, all the time, you know, but journaling, (laughs) like journaling, I, I spent so much time journaling and getting out every single piece of how I felt. And I allowed shame to come up. I gave my permission. I gave myself permission to feel it because we can't heal things unless we're actually feeling them and allowing them to move within us. Right. So I gave myself permission to feel it. And then I realized too, I started to think, well, who am I not to do what I truly want to do? And who am I to keep doing something, especially if I feel like it's beginning to be out of integrity? It's like there's more respect and compassion with releasing something and surrendering than there would be staying, you know, and really just getting to the root of all of that helped me move through shame, too. And and also (laughs) not being online as much, 110% of the time that I feel like I was healing and just kind of releasing that attachment to the shame of like my identity and where I was and who, who I was, was not when I was online, like really removing myself and giving myself the space and the grace to dig deep and, and simply be. And I found that the more I did that, the more that that shame, just like, I don't know how to explain it, but it has such a hold on us and it gets lighter and you're able to transmute that. And then it just kind of floats away. (laughs) I love that so much. And that's why I love the concept of the sacred pause. That's actually one of like the biggest notes I wrote down on your guide, because I love that term. And it's so powerful. It's beyond anything you could find in self-help books, on Instagram posts. I think that we can get caught in the void of searching and Googling how to heal and how to, what journal of prompts we need to be doing. Oh my goodness. Yes. It's, it's, it's always action, right? Like that's a lot of the things we see in, in the community is always doing something, but there is power 
and also simply being and putting a sacred pause, putting yourself in that sacred pause and sinking into it. Because a lot of my answers came and just intuition and nuggets of wisdom, like the treasure that I was seeking, of course, was it within, but all of that came to me when I wasn't really doing or, or putting in the effort either. You know what I mean? Sometimes we think it's like, oh my goodness, we got to be like zero to hundred with this healing. And it takes time. And it doesn't always mean we're do actively doing something like it's simply being, And, and sometimes for me, in my case, it was removing myself from like the online world for a little while. And like, I was there, but I feel like I was so far removed. I just wanted to live my life. I wanted to have fun again, because I was not having fun. I feel like now looking back while I was coaching, I think I was really, really, really trying to convince myself that it was fun. And, and I wasn't, you know, so I really focused on family, friends and, and my marriage, like. I was like, I'm going to sink myself into strengthening my marriage too, because right now I'm on the sacred pause. And how can I be of service to others if, you know, I'm having all these energy leaks everywhere else in my life? Um, The energy leaks. So that's so potent too. So how, what did you discover about yourself through the sacred pause, through just taking that time to pour back into your friends, your family, and your marriage? Like what, what revelations did you have about yourself? Hmm. Man. I realized a lot of things I wasn't during this time, you know, uh, I realized like, you know, I, oh my goodness, this is such a good question. There's so many things. Like, I think one of the, one of the main things is realizing who we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're oh, all valid. I actually love that because who we are, if we can identify who we don't want to be and who we are not, then we can step fully into who we're meant to be. Yes. Yeah. I, I definitely think it was all the things I wasn't. And one of the things too, I, I realized during this time was I didn't come here to play exactly by the rules. You know, I, I think I had said this in a post the other day, like there are so many of us, I'm not the only one. I'm not, I'm not this person to put on a pedestal. There are so many of us right now, sacred disruptors. And I started to see the ways in which the old paradigm didn't work for me and bless its heart. (laughs) We take, (laughs) we take what we learn there and we can alchemize it into something new that is more efficient and more beneficial for the collective. That's kind of my, my way of moving through the new to the old paradigm. And I started to realize none of this stuff ever served me. And I thought it did, you know, I got very caught up in the wrong priorities in the wrong, the wrong situations where I was focusing my energy on things that were so trivial at the end of the day and so much superficial as well. And I can definitely admit (laughs) there was a lot of superficial vanity things that I was caught up in. But as I started to sink into really the truth of who I was during this time, I was like, oh my goodness, I came here to disrupt and be an architect and show people like be a living example of what's possible. You know, I didn't come here to sit quietly and follow all these gurus and leaders that say their way is the way. I'm like, well, who's to say your way is the way, you know, can't all these ways connect to different people and, and help different people. It doesn't mean that your way is the only way. And I started to think about everything. I'm like, 
I think I came here to disrupt the system, which is why the Phoenix was so potent for me with the fire. Cause I'm like, sometimes we have to burn it all down so that we can kind of watch those ashes and disappear and turn into something really freaking beautiful. Mm, that's so, it's so powerful. Does it, because the, you are, you are fiery in a way that you weren't before. And yet there's also a calmness to you and eloquency that's new. So how do you feel like you rebirthed as like that transition? I'll let you use your words, I guess. (laughs) Oh no, no, no. You're good. You're good. It's so good. You're asking. It's so funny because it's like, I wrote the Phoenix codes and you know, this is one thing I am really sinking better into is my like diction and my voice and my speaking and slowing things down. And my writing is very flow. It comes straight from source, my higher self. Right. But then speaking is, is one of the things that I am moving through as I'm sinking more deeply into her, right. Into Aylin and, and truly embodying her, but man, the rebirth, was interesting because this year, the safety has been a theme that keeps popping up. And I know we spoke about safety before, but it is reoccurring. It reoccurred in ways that I was too afraid to look at at first, because I mean, who wants to say they don't feel safe? I was kind of the, one of those people that used to be like, of course I feel safe. Like, what do you mean? You know? No, girl, like feel into your body. That was the safety was the biggest trigger for me when I first started trying to get into meditation. Like there was the I still remember in 2017, and this is why I resonate a lot with you is because I struggled with panic and anxiety as well. Like there was a meditation that I listened to. It was like, I am safe. And I was just crying, crying, crying because. I did not agree with that statement. I never felt safe in my life and waking up to realizing that I think a lot of us like realizing, like, I don't feel safe in my body. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh my goodness, I don't feel safe. So what do I do to start, you know, really bridging that gap and reconnecting. And for me, it was, you know, this year as I rebirthed, I slowed down. I I started to not put any kind of timelines or expectations on anything. And that made me feel safer because we are attaching so many expectations and things and our worth, you know, we outsource our worth, we outsource our divinity, we outsource our power, and that creates dis-ease in the body. So when I just really brought, I I reclaimed everything, I brought it back inwards and I said, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to really reconnect with spirit and also God and, and my faith and what that looked like to me. And through spirituality, I was able to find that, you know, it looks different for everybody. Everybody has different faiths and religions and in ways they commune with spirit. But to me, it was anchoring into something that was bigger than me and knowing that I was held and supported and having a safe space and guides and mentors that I worked with this year to hold me in those containers and, really helped me with practices of embodiment and really getting very clear on my boundaries this year with family, with my husband, with my friends. And, you know, there, that all devotion, like being so devoted to nourishing my body and really regulating it back to a state where I did feel safe. And I felt safe enough to speak and do all these things 
And then it was like, my voice slowed down. I had a powerful calmness, like you said, where it was fiery, but it wasn't from anxious energy. It was from confident personal power. Yes. And I, I feel like you are such a beautiful embodiment of like feminine power while also now transitioning into like, okay, so we're moving from an old paradigm. There still is a need for like this masculine action and absolutely. Yeah. We need, we need it. It's part of, it's part of who we are, right? That's, you know, we take the wisdom from the feminine and then we alchemize that through, you know, the masculine. That's when we, we basically the masculine takes the wisdom from the feminine and turns that into confident action from a place of like, you know, strength and loyalty and honor. And it's not from that place of ego and, you know, bullheadedness. Yeah. I think a lot of women also aren't aware yet, or they're starting to awaken to the disease, the, the misalignment of their own energies and seeing how they've been operating in a masculine space for so long. And it does take truly surrendering that paradigm of, okay, I need to perform. I need to have be on top of everything. I need to show up for everyone. I have to micromanage and taking a step back and really being a vessel of receiving and just patience. Mm. Patience, patience is so good, you know, and I know some tons on people are like, oh, you know, you can be too patient and not take action, you know, and, and sit around and wait. There is a, I think there's a fine line and there's a balance between it, but you know, patience is a virtue and that is exactly where patience is why I'm here, you know, today in this embodiment rising, there's still so much to learn. I'm not, no one's perfect. (laughs) You know, there's all, there's still so much more rising we can do, but part of this too, I can't stress this enough is really asking yourself what needs to be removed. You know, what, is no longer truly serving me? What am I doing? Because there's an exception or like, you know, an expectation or a should statement attached. You would be so surprised by all the BS that you start cutting out. You know, I stopped doing so many things and I felt like my life just got so much lighter and I cultivated my container to receive more. We can't keep pouring into that container and, and, putting so much crap in there. Like, you know what I mean? It can't hold everything. And that's why they say the release and the surrender and letting go is so important because once we start letting go, we open up that container to receive all the things that truly are meant to flow into that container. No, I say this all the time to people because there's a fear involved with letting go and releasing. And sometimes it causes us to hold on to things longer than we should. Yes. (laughs) Like we mentioned before, but like the second you release, like, was there, did you feel like there was a sense of automatic, just peace? Yes and no, but the peace was definitely more potent than my ego and my little like small self, you know, trying to be like kicking and screaming. But there was, as soon as I created a new account, I said what I was going to do. You know, I, I honored everybody who'd been following me. I'm like, you know, I'm, I don't feel like I need to give an explanation, 
but I am going to come on because this is, I've, I've had such a big following, but there was Pete, the piece was more potent <laughs> than anything else because it's like, it was such a lovely way to like cut cords, you know, and with just surrender and peace and being like, you know what? I have been through panic attacks. I've been through anxiety disorder. I have been through so, so, so much. I've been through trauma and I'm like, this is almost trivial. You will be able to figure everything out, Kat. Like you really, really will. And I think when I, I held on to the empowerment that it, that it gave me, like, I really, really, really cannot stress enough, like the empowerment we can feel from, from that place of liberation, you know, and, and saying, this is not serving me. What is this going to mean? If I let this go, like how, what, what am I going to, what can I do if I let this go? What does that mean to me? You know, and asking myself these questions. And it's like, once you really start putting it out in your journal and you're just like, yeah, I can't, I can let this go. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but we're going to do it. <laughs> I love that so much. And especially clinging to the empowerment from the liberation. I think that's yeah. a huge aspect of things. And honestly, that like being able to embody that truth and fully just let it sink into your cells that I am empowered from this space. I'm liberated and I am empowered. That is what drive drove you to own up to everything on your story and come forward and say, Hey, like maybe I don't need to be honest and share this with everyone, but I feel empowered enough to do so anyways. And I think that's beautiful because we might not be having this conversation if you hadn't had that real authentic moment yeah. of empowerment just to own that part of your journey rather than cower, even though you had the shame, you had the fear around it and all of the resistance. You decided to own that empowerment, have the conversation, be transparent on your story. And you caught me on a day where I felt like there was, there was so much falling, falling away from my life. Yeah. And yeah. I was in a similar phase, although different where I, I had to recreate the structure of my entire coaching business and the old was no longer going to serve me. And it, I didn't want it to serve me because it was burning me out. And I was just so intrigued by your leap of faith in that. And there is an element of faith, like embodying your truth, owning your truth, and then stepping forward blindly. Yeah. And I think it says a lot, like whenever, like you just said, and that's what like clicked, it sparked something. You were like, I had a lot going on at that time. I was letting go too. And when you saw that message, there were so many people that messaged me like within that, those first couple of weeks, like, Oh my goodness, I just saw your thing. You know, there are so many people that thanked me, you know, like whatever they had moving through in their life that they were trying to let go of. It was like, Oh my goodness. Like this girl literally just came out and said, yeah, this business isn't for me. I'm a, I'm a peace out. Like this one girl, she had messaged me. She was like, you gave me so much strength to like, let go of my job. And like, I'm like, Oh my God, like, please, like, you know, I don't know if I want to take credit for that. You know, I got really nervous, but it ended up like, she learned so many lessons and we're still close to this day. And she learned so many lessons, like 
taking that leap, like just seeing how we can inspire others to really anchor into their own empowerment and anchor into their own truth and what feels really good for them. And, you know, hopefully whoever let go of something, it was, it was for the better, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's so beautiful how we can all be like reflections to one another. Yeah. I think it's always for the better, even though we might not see it at the time. I think the, like going back to the element of patience with that is it's hard hard to see how it's serving us in the moment but being able to wait on the bigger picture and understanding like this is this is a lifetime we're serving for an entire lifetime not six months not a year we have to be willing to take the sacred pause to truly reflect if this is an, an integrity with the life's work Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing my mentor, she was telling me, she said, the sacred pause is an ode to self-mastery. Like every single time she was like, this is an ode to self-mastery. You know, your pause is going to be as long as it needs to be, you know, and, and whatever that looks like for you too. Um, But she, she had said that to me and it really stuck because I didn't know how long it was going to last, but I did think it was kind of ironic that when I started to actually write the Phoenix codes, it was pretty much like nine months, you know, out of the gate, which is the birth cycle. And then that connected me with like, you know, the whole divine feminine all over again that I've just been really anchoring into. And I'm like, whoa. And I had like complete chills when I realized like it's been nine months. I went through the whole birth cycle, like of that sacred pause. And then that's when the Phoenix codes is birthed. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like, okay, spirit. Like I see what you mean now. Like I get it. (laughs) So was Phoenix codes, like your transition into being ready to step forward back? Oh yeah. I feel like it was almost my, it was an initiation, like almost like my rite of passage, you know, like in, in writing, it was so therapeutic. And, and I never realized like how much was within me that I was holding back. And when it flowed, I was just like, yeah, this was like my initiation into that transformation. Because I mean, you go from anxiety relief mindset, you know, coaching, and then you're like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sinking into the priestess path, you know, like a conduit for the divine feminine and the divine and, you know, bridge between worlds. And then people are like, excuse me, like, who are you, you know, who are you to say all that? And it's, I will tell you this, when you are in a container or you're working with someone who is facilitating and guiding and really holding space for you, and they are really well-versed in ancient wisdom and pulling out the ancient codes within you there, we are all something really freaking great. We are all something really freaking magical, whether it's a shaman or, you know, it's the medicine woman, or, you know, it's the mystic or the mother or the maiden, whatever it may be, because we're all going to go through our phases. Right. But when I realized like, oh my goodness, I've had these past lives. And I started to actually witness them through deep meditations. And like, there's something here. And it took me a while to really talk about them. Even now, like, even after nine months of like really sinking into it, it's kind of like, I'm still having some resistance, but I know my truth. And, and I'm like, this is who I am. And this is who I am right now. And 
I have every right to, to change by the hour, change by the minute and, and really shed, you know? And I think that says something too, because people think, oh, I just started this like three months ago. If you don't like it or it's not aligning and it ain't vibing, like we shed, we're constantly evolving. Yes. I almost got a tattoo. I still will get it soon. That says uh, eternally evolving. We are, and we need to give ourselves that grace to allow ourselves to continue to shed more skin over and over and over again. Um, But I want to give you an opportunity to discuss uh, the Phoenix Codes and walk the listener through it, what it's about, so they can grab a copy on Kindle. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, good. I love your writing so much. I appreciate that so, so much. Um, I, I wrote this because I feel like I had been through multiple Phoenix rebirths and then the world kind of ended for a while. You know what I mean? It stopped. And I realized how many people out there were shedding, releasing, and they were tapping into the Phoenix energies. I mean, it's been so potent. And I kept thinking, there's something here, there's something here. And I actually had a dream about the Phoenix codes before I wrote it. And I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know it was a book. I just remember having a dream and I saw um, myself and I was writing out a guide and it was the, um, the catalyst, you know, the death in the void, you know, the reflection period, renewal, rebirth. And And I remember I woke up and I immediately wrote it down. And I told my friend Julia, like, you know, a couple of days later, I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. And she was like, just sit on it. She was like, girl, just sit on it. And I sat on it for like four or five months. And then I realized, oh my goodness, I can turn this into a guide. And it's not only going to be therapeutic for me, but I know it's going to be helpful for someone out there. And I pretty much lay out in phases the, the death and rebirth experience, the death and rebirth process through my lived experiences. But I want whoever is listening to this to know that as I evolve, that guide is probably going to evolve too. Like it's a living document. So it, there's room for growth and evolution with it. It's not finite, but I did sink into the fiery depths of why it is so important because it's, it's like that saying, you know, there's, there's no mud, there's no Lotus. And I put this in the book too, you know, there's, there's no flames and there's, there's no rebirth, you know, there's no, there's none of that. You got to jump into the flames. And my hope for this guide is so that we can all come together and really co-create this new earth and this new paradigm from a place of courage and strength and love and compassion. Love that so much. And I think that's, the most empowering thing that anyone listening to this could take away from this whole conversation is you have to be willing to be courageous and step forward and contribute too, but also be willing to do that work on yourself and look within and see what comes up and honor that pause after the exhaustion of the old paradigm and the old way of being and the masculine forces on us being able to allow ourselves to rise into who we're meant to be into the highest version of ourselves and and be okay with not knowing what that looks like too Mm. 
you just hit such a gym. It gotta be okay with not knowing what it's going to look like. You know, that's, that is something we want to know the ending, you know, there's, especially when you talk with people and books and movies, you know, just in conversations, you know, there's so many people that like, oh my goodness, I got to skip to the end. Or like, I, I looked up and I Googled what happened. You know, we have such a resistance to just surrendering to not knowing, you know, and that's what I, I even tell like my husband all the time. I'm like, I don't know. What, what do I know? I don't, I don't know everything, you know, but there's so, there's something so humbling about not knowing there's something so exciting. And that's, that is so much freedom. There is freedom in being in love with the unknown and not knowing. I think that's the biggest thing that maybe the pandemic, like people have, I don't know if I can even mention it on here, but oh, you get <laughs> there's so much unknown and just being able to surrender to, okay, what about right now? What is right now teaching me the present moment? Because that's all that we have at the end of the day. Yep. It's, it's a, like a collection of moments, you know, and sinking into every moment. I was outside this morning and I I did breath work and some meditation. And, and I actually like, after that, I kind of teared up a little bit because I looked around and I'm like, I love this moment. I love this life. And I love this human experience. Even saying it, like gets me choked up. I'm like how someone can demonize, like this human experience. You know what I mean? I've seen people doing that online, like bless them. Like, I mean, they're they're That's their truth. I get that. But, um, my nose got red. I almost started crying. Oh, <laughs> but I, I was like, I was like, I love this. I love this life. I, I, I don't think we are meant to be here in, in suffering, you know, and there are moments that we are going to feel pulled apart. There's moments we're going to feel like our entire world is ending and nothing matters anymore, but those are moments and those moments pass by and we can always anchor ourselves back into love and divinity and our faith and our trust. And it's, it's this life, like we're here in this podcasting container. This is so exciting. Like we are living life and experiencing this moment. So, and I think that's one thing that I'm really, really excited about sharing with people is getting excited about life, like the, the little things and getting so getting yourself so in love with life, like fall so deeply in love with this journey. And also using the pain that comes along as purpose, like fuel for, even though it's so uncomfortable and it's so, we know it's necessary, but there's all this resistance around it, being able to see how it's a part of our evolution and it's only helping us rise higher is how we can, make sure we're not staying down and staying, staying out of love with life and getting back into love and seeing how it's shaping us into who we're meant to be. Whatever, again, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. No, you said that so perfectly too, like really getting back to understanding that the, the pain, it, it serves a purpose, even if you don't, even if you don't feel like it at the time, or it just, it sucks like sitting in the suckiness, you know, sometimes it's, it's what we have to do, but pain, it, all of it's alchemized and that, and I don't know of anyone that hasn't experienced any kind of pain. I feel like if we don't move through things and alchemize and experience things, it doesn't, 
it's not like it's cultivating, like building blocks of courage, strength, resilience, you know, and we're all on our own path. It looks different for us, but those are building blocks. Those are like, those are like, like notches kind of in our belt. We're just like, I did that shit. Like, it was painful, but I did it. <laughs> yes. It's mastering one lesson after the other. And as long as you, you accept that it's going to be painful and you can continue to learn from it, then it's, it's like, I say this to clients a lot is if you're tumbling down, like, if you keep getting back up and you're still tumbling, at least you're tumbling forward, yeah. <laughs> you're still falling down. I feel this a lot sometimes because we, it's easy to have expectations of ourselves to be overwhelmed by the outside world. But when we bring it back in and see how these, these experiences are forming us, then it gives us an appreciation for everything else around us in a new light. Mm. All the pressure falls away and we have just beauty and love. Yes, yes, yes. And I mean, giving ourselves that grace and space to, to make mistakes and knowing like this is forever. There is no actual destination because we are forever students. And that's one thing this year that has so humbled me. I'm like, I, I even have to sometimes like reel myself in because I sink into things and then I'm so hungry to just learn more. And that's not a bad thing, but I am learning on slowing it down and integrating what I'm learning before I move on to something else. But we're forever students there. It's, it's never ending. It's, it's earth school. <laughs> it's earth school. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining me, Aylin. It's been such a pleasure having you on and having this beautiful container with you, this sacred space to just talk about the Phoenix codes and death and rebirth and the ascension into everything. The Phoenix ascension is the Phoenix, everything that's to come. Thank you. you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. This container is so beautiful. And I know like we could vibe forever. So I'm I'm so grateful for you for just sharing your light too. And sharing this container with me because podcasting is still so near and dear to my heart. I love it so much. So it makes me so happy to be in this container with you. I'm sure we'll like come up with something in the future to follow up with this. (laughs) But I think everyone can find you on Instagram at Aylin the Oracle. Yes. Yep. And um, the Phoenix codes are on Amazon Kindle. Right. Yeah. 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 And I have a link too. So when you find me on Instagram and you click the little link tree, it's the first block. Um, The Phoenix codes. I think it's a transformative guide on death and rebirth. Beautiful. And I will have the link tree in the show notes and everything like that. But thank you so much for joining me today. It's meant the world. (laughs) Thank you so much, Christy.